The year of 2073 brings destruction for humanity, but a new beginning for Mother Earth. Asteroids crash into the Northern Hemisphere and plant the seed for a quick proliferation of the primer matter. And that's how Degenesis begins. Today on The Terrible Warriors, we meet the Makers. And when the makers of Degenesis reach out to you to say that they've got something they'd like to share with your show, you say yes. Last week, when we talked with Mitch Wallace at Necrobiotic, they mentioned Degenesis as one of the foundational games that got them into indie RPGs. And it seems wherever you go, if you find someone who likes Degenesis, they really like Degenesis. But it's always had one challenge to get into it a financial barrier. Degenesis is a beautiful game with beautiful artwork and beautiful production and beautiful design. And all of that came at a cost. These box sets were not cheap, and the time spent developing each new book in the series took years. But as we're about to find out, as we talk to one of the junior producers on Degenesis, they've got a new model that they're working on, and they've decided to do something that I haven't seen another tabletop publisher attempt to do. They took their game, and they made it free to play. Today, we meet Erwin Rudeau from Six More Vodka, and we get to discuss Degenesis Rebirth. And if this is your first time here on Meet the Makers... I always like to start our conversations with getting to meet the maker, and I like to get to know them a little bit more, not just the game they're trying to promote today. And so, as I have been starting most of my conversations, I started mine with Erwin by asking what got them hooked on this hobby in the first place? What got them so interested in tabletop games that they would end up making a career out of it? (laughs) Okay. Basically... I got into tabletop RPG when I was, I mean, like a lot of people, like when I was a teenager and I started playing, I think the very first game I was introduced to with an adaptation from um, a French uh, comic called L'Enfust. It's um, it's a very funny fantasy comic. And I was really into that, that shit. And so I decided to go grab the next edition of the books that I found. And it happened to be a tabletop RPG. And I thought it was just like a, a big comic. And then I started playing Vampire the Masquerade with the uh, with the local uh, game store, and that's how I got into into tabletop RPG. So I was like sixteen, so that was like six, ten years ago. And yeah, like I discovered a bunch of games like this. Never really found what I liked into into the imaginative aspect of the games uh, of the hobby. And and then one day in two thousand fifteen or something like that a friend of mine that i was playing warmer with comes to me and is like i think i think i found a game that you would like it's not out yet in english or in french but you might actually really dig it and he showed me what was the old old website of the genesis and i stumbled on the game and i was like wow i really like how unique everything looks and it's really visually different um and immediately i went to my parents and i was like i want this for christmas please buy it for me so they bought me the the black edition of the game 
And that's when I, I got hooked. And basically for the next three years, Degenesis was the only game I was touching. Um, I was really involved in the community. And back then I was still doing my studies so in France. So I was I was like actively managing the community of Degenesis. Uh, like we had a Facebook group with mostly French people. And I really got into that. I loved it. There was a lot of mystery to solve. Like the game, as you said, in the pre-talk is very mysterious like we there's a lot of lore there's a, a huge meta plot that you need to understand if you really want to get into it uh, and i was into solving the puzzles and so basically what happened is i was spending all my free time solving the mysteries and sharing them with the community and i was like oh look at this i do you think it could be connected to this aspect of the game and after a while like after a year or something marco who's the author of the game uh, and um, I mean, the co-author, there was another uh, man with him, Christian Gunter, but Marco is the person that is uh, actively writing it right now. Uh, he contacted me and he was like, do you want to come to Berlin for uh, like a weekend so we can talk because you seem to be very active in the community and we love to to get like the fans' opinions on the game and um, and what we can do better and blah, blah, blah. And so they fly me to Berlin and that was my first connection with uh, Six More Podcasts, the company publishing the game. From then on, like it was the start of the very good friendship and relationship. And over the next two years, I got more and more involved in uh, the community management in the various like live streams that they were doing. And uh, and that's how I got into the industry. I was not necessarily planning on becoming like a tabletop RPG dev ever in my life. I was more studying like to do marketing and uh, and uh, this kind of stuff. Um, but I found a way that was both very entertaining and creatively satisfying, it was very different from anything I had expected I would do with my life. And I found, yeah, I found everything I wanted to, to do. Like it's creative, it's, um, it ties back to all the stuff that I love to do as a kid. And it's also very challenging because as you mentioned, it's a, it's a very ruthless world and uh, making a, it, we are playing a hobby that is still kind of a niche and, and to make game knowns in that very specific niche is a, kind of a hustle. So. so no more riddles. No more riddles. What is Degenesis? Because you're now the second person in a row that I have interviewed who has said, I found this game and it changed my hobby. It, it, it changed. There was a before and after with my yeah. experience with tabletop uh, that that this 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 uh, this game upended. And I've I've seen it's a beautiful website and it is stunning artwork. And it's a lot of artwork. <laughs> you click on details, yeah. it just opens up just a, a page of like 300 images. And and so it it, 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 it seems quite evocative and. And yet, uh, as a game, uh, I, I, I haven't seen it played or, or, or been able to participate in a demo or, 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 or pick that up. So what is the world of Degenesis? And, 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 and what is it about the gameplay that really separates it from, from traditional RPGs? What, what, what is Degenesis? Because it sounds like I'm asking, what is the Matrix? <laughs> and you're telling me to go find the door. <laughs> Yes, Neo, which build do you want? Um, so the, the thing about the Genesis is we, we like, I mean, most people like to describe it as post-apocalyptic because there is like this huge event that destroys the world as we know it. And the story of the Genesis takes place almost 
over five centuries after, after this event. So we play in the, at the end of the 26th century in uh, Europe and Africa. And the world has been changed by the, the fall of meteors. And so everything is completely destroyed. Civilization is gone. It has reconstructed. So it's completely different in, in themes that you what you would imagine from a classic post-apocalyptic because it's not right after the, the destruction. It's long after it. So stuff has started to be created again. You have like cultures that are coming back from the ashes and what we call cults, the big factions, very, uh, very dogmatic factions that have the power to influence um, the direction of, um, of what's going on in Europe mm -hmm. and Africa. And the big twist on this is that with the meteors came this alien um, matter, the, the primer that started infecting the land, started infecting the people and slowly twisted the Homo sapiens into this new version of humanity that is called Homo de Genesis. It is completely mutated and is a threat to us, Homo sapiens. So this stuff from the meteor is like an invasive species that is just changing the the makeup of the world. It's not an alien invasion in, in the sci-fi yeah. sense. It's it's more just this biological, this this infection or this uh, invasive matter that has been brought from the cosmos from, exactly. and, and brought to earth and and the world that was unlike as you mentioned with other post-apocalyptic genres it's so far ahead it sounds like our time is more like how we would look at the ancient world and uh and and and, and it's like a precursor civilization yeah. but but we we're as close to the the genesis world as we are today to myths of atlantis they're just exactly. separated exactly it's, it's a, if it's as is we were looking at something that we have like very small archives of and you know it happened somehow i mean you maybe not even know that it happened but it happened it's still somewhere in your past and it influenced the world as it, as it is right now but it's irrelevant to yeah. what is going on right now. Like, yeah, you have to deal with what's or, in front of your face. Exactly. <laughs> you have to deal with the present. Yeah, understanding what happened back then is yeah. relevant only to a very few Yeah, it's a luxury to most, yeah. Exactly. Like most people live in this primal punk world. That's the, the genre that we put on the Genesis. It's like you live with the, the problems of today, like the, the threats of the world as it is today, people that just want to survive in against all the um, the animosity the world is throwing at them. Okay, so to go back to actually your, your question, why was it so appealing and what sets it apart to other tabletop RPG, in my opinion, is that the way it's written, it's like you have an epiphany each time you read the books. It's it's layered in information and and stuff starts clicking only like 100, 200 pages in and you're like, oh my God, I understand why this was mentioned in the first place. Like you a understand lot of thought has been put into this yeah. setting so that it, it, it circles back on itself over and over again. And the more time you spend yeah. with it, the more you start to see. Exactly. And I, I keep saying to people like the biggest investment you will make with the Genesis is not the money. It's, it's going to be your time because you're going to, you're going to reread the book so many times 
not because it's complicated, because you can completely enjoy the game with the, the first read of the books, but because by reading it, you realize that you missed some tiny details that are essential to understanding the themes and understanding the connections between the different uh, entities. And Marco, for example, to go back to the um, alien coming uh, from space uh, theme, one day Marco uh, said to the community, the, the primer, so that's the name of this uh, alien thing, is the equivalent of God coming back to the Garden of Eden and finding that it has been completely messed up by the humans. Mm -hmm. And that's the theme of the Genesis. And so uh, suddenly people clicked with that, with that uh, analogy and they were like, oh my God, actually maybe the primer is the source of life. Maybe it goes, the metaplot is even bigger than we thought it was. And it opened like this new door of people realizing that this is not just a meteor uh, shower. It's something bigger that ties back to the beginning of humanity and what, uh, how we came to existing. And so that's why it's so interesting to me because the the the, the plot is big and the, the meta plot is really entertaining and you can get stuck in this for weeks. Um, and in terms of gameplay itself, the game is uh, ruthless. Like uh, you have little hit points, you can get infested by um, spores, you need to really manage your um, resources, so your your mental health and your physical health. And any blow you take is enough to to put you out for a week or two if you don't pay attention. So it's not like a classic tabletop RPG where you play heroes that can go into fights and like they take like some potions or healing stuff and they can go on the next one. Here yes. you you try to make sure you don't get hurt. You avoid fights. Yeah, because it sounds fight very much like really... a survival RPG where you're yeah. you're really having to mitigate your circumstances and try not to escalate the scene and get yourself in danger. Because I was going to ask about the mechanics because the setting can be wonderful and there's 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 classic examples of really powerful evocative settings like Cyberpunk or Shadowrun that are like you want to read about it and you want to go to that world and you actually play it and the game is unplayable or yeah. it, 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 it's incomprehensible or it, it has such a learning curve to get into it. So learning about the world of Degenesis, how does Degenesis play? Because that, that, the, the setting's only <laughs> half the battle. It's, it's, it's interactive and, and, and there's still mechanics to it. And I understand too that um, the setting you're describing, uh, what company is is a group of very much a, a team of artists who have tied the setting and to the artwork in the game it's all um it all informs each other it's all connected to one another it's not a case of uh, a, a writer who has then commissioned artists after the fact to come yeah. and draw their world or make their maps uh, they're they're all part of the process right at the beginning yeah. Um, so to go back to the birth of the game itself, um, the Genesis was initially created in 2004 by Marco Djurjevic and Christian Gunter. So they were friends and were working on the on that game. And Marco back then was um, an aspiring artist. And so the Christian was writing, Marco was illustrating, and they were informing each other of uh, like they were influencing each other. And then. Carriers happen. The game uh, stopped for this, its first edition, and the Genesis Rebirth was created in 2014, so 10 years after the creation of the game. And so, at this point, they wanted to create this new system 
called the catharsis system, which is, I would say, heavily inspired by the um, uh, White Wolf system, the, story, the storyteller system. So it works very simply with a dice pool and um, attributes that inform the, the skills that, they, that are linked to it. So for example, I don't know, you want to jump over something, you do you roll um, agility plus athletics. And so you take the values of both, you roll it, four, five, six is a success, one, two, three uh, counts as a failure. And so you need a certain amount of successes to, to accomplish um, the action. So the system is pretty simple. It's not too crunchy, but you can make it crunchy, which is what some people really like, is yeah. that you can create a lot of subsystems that are very easily plugged in. Um, and make make a lot of sense. Sometimes the difficulty is part of the enjoyment as well of of yeah. of uh, having having a, a system that you can um, you can tinker with and you can you can modify and move around. And <laughs> I do a lot of conversations about story games, and so I, I think I get this reputation of someone who <laughs> harps against crunchier traditional games. I I still enjoy them. Uh, I just uh, I, I just want to be I guess playing with my cards face up and like let's be honest before you go in and buy the game where where is the difficulty setting on this in terms of uh is this going to be um something that requires literally no prep and you just open up the scroll and you play it on the table or is it going to require a, a little bit more of an extensive session zero to even just go over this is how this is going to play out um when, when you're making it? I think you definitely need a session zero, but not necessarily, not for the system, just for the setting itself, because it's unique. And um, I know that when I've played with, uh, with people that had no experience with the Genesis, I needed one session zero, at least to give them a rundown of what is similar and what is different to the classic post-apocalyptic game, for example. Um, in terms of setting itself, uh, in, uh, sorry, in terms of system itself, Really, I think a GM that goes over the basic rules can handle the game very easily and players can learn on the spot very quickly as well because it's always the same thing. Like there is no, if you want to attack, you will do exactly the same kind of role as you would do if you were going to um, seduce someone or try to resist a, a mental attack or something. So it's not too complex, I think. On a scale of zero to 10, I would say like the setting is the most complicated thing. So probably an eight, an eight. And the system itself, like two or three, it's yeah. very easy to take. And it's easy to take, but then once you get used to it, you can very easily expand it to your own likings. I've seen people do very fascinating subsystems to deal with some stuff they wanted to deal with in game, like, uh, like cold damage or like long exposure to, I don't know, uh, spores or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. People are really creative when they want something to work in their sessions. So that catches us up now to the present day. We, we've learned what Degenesis is, but you approached me to let me know about what Degenesis is about to become. And you're talking about Degenesis Rebirth. And what is Rebirth? Where are we now? And, and, and how are you involved in this? What is, uh, what, what is it that, that we are meeting today to talk about? So Dead Genesis Rebirth is the name of the second edition of the game, which was published in 2014. But it's also like the name of the of the core books. When you come when the books come together, like they're in this um, 
in this uh, beautiful slipcase. And so you have the two books together. Um, and what we're doing right now is we're changing the production model of the game. Um, last year, we went free to play uh, because a lot of people were were afraid that the, the price of the game was really too high. Um, and so we said, okay, we, we offer you the, all the, the PDFs for free, uh, if that makes it easier for you to, um, to get into the game. And it actually was a, a good bet because a lot of people discovered the game and really got into it and then supported us uh, differently. Um, and this year, after, so after a year of free-to-play, we decided to involve the community back into the production process. And we developed a, a roadmap for the year that the people can support. And so we announced nine supplements that people can fund via our website. And the idea for us is to go back to what we really like doing is like very short production cycles. So we can produce like a supplements in two to four weeks, illustrate it, write it, publish it and put it online very quickly. So people mm. can, um, can have new content uh, really fast, which was exactly the opposite of what we were doing before. We've been focusing on very heavy books, very big eaters um, that you could compare to like blockbuster movie, like 600 pages books. Uh, that take two years to produce. And during those two years, it's really complicated to stay in touch with your community yeah. uh, because you're focused on the production aspect of things. And so by switching to this very short production cycle makes it easier for us to give, give um, new information to the community, receive their feedback, implement it, see what works, what people want more, what... Um, what we can we can experiment also even more and see okay we want to test like new mechanics or we want to explore like a different type of adventures um, which you can do if you're just focusing on one product at a time we're a small team we're only like five people plus a few freelancers yeah um and it's very easy to spread your th yourself too thin uh, if you have like three production uh, projects at the same time it almost sounds like you've turned the Genesis now into like a live service uh, where it's it's much more engaged uh, and uh, almost more real time with more smaller but more frequent updates uh, kind of plays more like. I mean, I've been playing Sea of Thieves <laughs> as like a video game that has those yeah. like monthly updates or those those regular content that they're they're small, but they keep everything feeling fresh and engaging yeah. whereas yeah if you if you're really into a game and you've dropped you know so many whatever dollars into it and then you're you're waiting two three years for the next one to come out um it's it's it can be a big buy to tell your players at your table like no we, we're waiting it out while other games are being released all over yeah. the place and uh you know we're this is the era of the one shot now and it's exactly it, it is more difficult to keep someone hooked on a on a long form um overarching game which is this sounds like degenesis really blooms as a long form campaign over multiple sessions this isn't a game uh, that you might recommend if you've only got four hours <laughs> and you're I mean, only going to play yeah. it for one event we had a lot of feedbacks from people saying it's cool, but like, I can't use any of the mm, adventures to quickly introduce people to the game because everything is like part of a big campaign or something like that. And so a few months ago, 
uh, one of our writers came with like the manuscript for a, a one shot uh, called Armsway. And that was the, um, basically the, the guinea pig for this uh, whole experiment. Like we published it very quickly and we realized we could shift to this very small um, production cycle. And it was very well received by the community. People were like, oh my God, that's amazing. Finally, we have like an official sh one shot that can be prepared very quickly and played very quickly. But as you mentioned, we we tend to to prefer uh, campaigns and long long adventures because that's where the the game really really shines and where people really get to to understand it, what the themes are, what they can do, what the sub subtle elements of the cults and the the factions um, of the factions are. Uh, and as you said, we we kind of move to like tabletop RPG as a service in a way, uh, but it's also still, I mean, everything is still free. So basically what we want is people to be able to enjoy the game. And if they want to help us fund the rest of the of the production and the next supplements, and or if they really, really want to see, I don't know, like one specific clan uh, be uh, developed or they want this very specific adventure, they can give us some money um, and, and then we fund it and then we deliver it for free to the rest of the community. So the way we see it is we want to show the community that we can produce content of good quality, very high quality regularly and um, and that it should, then they can give us their trust and fund the rest. Um, we have, for example, uh, the reason I'm saying that is because uh, people were like, why don't you do a Kickstarter to fund the rest of the um, of the game? Like you could do it and it would be a success. And the problem we have with Kickstarters is that it's a good, very one-shot marketing operation, but on the long term, it's not necessarily a good thing for your business model because it makes you very dependent to this very big income influx of money. And it's also you make promises that you don't know you can hold at the beginning of the, the Kickstarter. Yeah, you have to be very uh, careful. There's some horror stories where you, you put too many perks and too many rewards and they end up eating up most of the money that you raised because now they're all yeah. going into shipping costs to yeah. fund all. And, and, it, and it, the Kickstarter ends up becoming the project, not the project itself. And so it, it, it works really well for and certainly in tabletop, like like Kickstarter and tabletop RPGs have become very symbiotic uh, over yeah. the last half decade. And yet there are examples I, I, I'm seeing here, even with Degenesis, where it's not, you know, every nail and a hammer. It's not always going to be the exact right model. And so I, right. I love this, this idea of, of, of a, I mean, it's, it's, it's an old school patron a uh, uh, solution of exactly. I really like this game, but I also really like this part of this game, and I want to. I have money. I'm 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 doing much better, and I I want to help become an investor in this project, and so I would yeah. I wish to invest in this project, knowing then that 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 will then be shared with the wider community, which then we all win, right? Because <laughs> this is this is the the idea if if if. If the game is, uh, I look at a, a video game like Star Citizen, very expensive game to play, exactly. requires very expensive computers to play, but it also means that the player base is now going to be very small because only rich, very well off, and very dedicated players are going to enjoy that game versus, uh, what was the argument back when 
Game of Thrones was being pirated. It was the number one pirated game in the world. Yeah. But there was that argument being made even by the HBO executives that it helped increase the value to the subscribers if everyone in the office was also watching this show because yeah. then everyone was talking about it. So if more people are playing Degenesis, even playing the free model, those who are paying for it get more money for their worth because it now you're not having to introduce the game. <laughs> people are hearing about it. They're playing it. Exactly. And it's not always starting at zero. Exactly. And the community is also, I mean, we have a community that is very supportive and they understand why we made that move. It's not to to screw up the long-term term fans that were getting content without having to ship, ship more in than, uh, than what they wanted. But now they realize that if everybody, or at least all the people that can, just put a little bit of money, it's like a, a very big snowball effect because very, very fast, if you have like, I don't know, 2,000 people giving $2, $2 there's still uh, 4,000 bucks that you raised and that's the supplement that we found. And it goes it goes up very fast because then it's redistribu redistributed to the entire community, not just the existing community, but the future community. People yeah. that will arrive in one year, two years, three years, people that were not part of this at the beginning, but then can enjoy the milestone achieved by the community. And and for us, it's, it makes this more, more sustainable because it's... Um, you're not going for a marathon after another marathon, after another marathon, trying to keep the line alive uh, while people are wondering if you're still actually working on it. Because if you're working on something, then most of the time you go into a production silence and you're like mute for a while um, and you can't show anything without spoiling. And uh, and that's very, I mean, I, I think that was the most complicated aspect of being... Yeah, this uh, is not a movie production, okay, yeah. right? This is not yeah. a, <clears throat> this is not something where it it helps to be quiet and secretive. This is this is a world that people are interacting with, yeah. and 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 immersed in and and uh, and playing with, and and for to hear like it was for you especially your story of being in the community and then being scouted by the creators of how involved and how engaged you were, to then find years later that that wasn't anymore the way that you were engaging with that community, that it had become more walled off and more silent, then the future Irwin is never going to be found or, or, or brought in because they're not, they're not getting the same feedback that you got when yeah. you first came to Degenesis. And, and it's just, it just sounds like the, you know, the, the, the curse of a game that continues to grow <laughs> and, and having to play into it. it. It's a really interesting model that you have. And you, you showed me the book, but of course it's an audio podcast so no one else could yeah, see of it. Course. Uh, and, and it does look like the production quality is, is beautiful. It looked like, uh, is it like a faux leather bound with, with, yeah. uh, with, with, uh, with gold fleck, you know, uh, uh, shiny bits on it. And it's, it's a beautiful size book. The slip case is really well put together. I mean, I would put it up there. I talk about like the way free league produces their books and how beautiful uh, they appear. And, 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 and that's not always the case across the industry. Uh, there are g books that come out that are just, they're just books and they're yeah. really fine. And, and getting the book isn't much different from getting the PDF, uh, versus, uh, something like, uh, uh, was, we were talking about it last time uh, when I was talking with Mitch Wallace about like Cult Divinity Lost, another book oh, which yeah, had like yeah. beautiful like you you. 
you want that physical book because of how it is. And I just saw that to Jeff's going like, oh, okay. Now I can see why people are spending so much money on this. Like, like if you've got it, you want to have that book on your bookshelf. Even even this big shit here, that's a Genesis uh, edition. Yeah. This big, big ass box. So that's that's the kind and of stuff. And that's great if, if, if you are in the means to have that. Exactly, and, exactly. And, and yet this is also, uh, like for me, growing up in a lower income part of a lower income city, what brought me into tabletop and not into something like Warhammer or Magic the Gathering was how cost effective it was. Is that I it could is. get a player handbook... And at the time, I wouldn't even like just talking Dungeons and Dragons. I wouldn't have needed the Game Master or the Monster Manual because that was that was what the GM needed. Uh, I just needed to get one book to make my character. And even if I didn't have that, they could help me make my character. And I might not even need to get the book. And it was allowed me to participate in this group after school with my friends uh, before I had the money to invest in it. And Uh, and then since then, uh, you can see the bookshelf behind me. I've lost my mind, yeah. and, and, and I and I spend too much money on this. But this is still a hobby that is attractive to people who want to play in interactive environments, but yeah. don't have the money for a high end video game console or a or a good PC or even to buy magic cards or uh, paint models and 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 get into that. Like there's still the like the good old fashion pencil and paper RPG, part of the appeal is its accessibility to that, especially yeah. financial accessibility. And and yet you, you gotta pay your artists. <laughs> These yeah, things are course, expensive to make. And, and I've uh, so many people I've talked with and interviewed who tell me like the, the the profit margin, like there's a reason why a lot of indie games are one person and not a company because you can't pay anybody. And, uh, and it is so hard, if, especially if you're printing a book um, where one book can create a game for six people and only you know, a whole group of people are only going to buy one, one version. Only yeah. the game master needs to buy the book. That's, Again, different than if I want to play a video game, everyone's going to have to buy the video game. Or if we're going yeah. to go to the movies, everyone's going to buy a ticket. Not everyone's always buying a ticket to tabletop. So it's, it, 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 it's, it's this ongoing issue that I'm always interested in hearing what different solutions are coming up with. And Kickstarter has been a solution for many. Yeah. And this model that you're, you're talking about is, is, is a really novel um, solution that you've to uh, that, that 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 you you group have found i mean i think uh, i i really like what you said about the fact that yeah when you when people play tabletop rpg most of the time the gm will be buying the game and people will enjoy it with the gm which i, I think is fine especially when um, when games are exp- are getting sometimes even more expensive uh, over time because sometimes the quality is really going up and the observation that we made was you can't I mean you can't force players to buy the books there's no need for that and at the same time we don't want to fall into the very bad habit of creating consumables that pe- players have to buy so that they can so that we can basically milk them for their money whereas this model allows people that really like the game whether they are players or GMs to contribute at their liking Um, they can contribute monthly, they can contribute one time. There's no requirement. It's just like how they want. Um, And what we've seen, 
and that's actually pretty interesting is that GMs go to their players and be like, listen, if you want more content, just go give like five bucks because that contributes to everything. And then we might have a very nice adventure after that so we can play. And so we've seen GMs go do a bit of a conversion and players that we've never seen before, like they were not customers of ours, of ours directly. They were like indirect part, indirect part of the community. They would come and give some money. And, and that's when you realize that it's maybe more sustainable for everyone because it makes everyone part of the of the community uh, and everyone contributes. And then the, the financial burden is not just on the GM having to either get all the books himself or themselves or um, just having to buy an entire collection alone, which has been the basic, I think, for this hobby for a very long time now. Um, and I think it's not necessarily bad, but it's also... It, it puts a lot of responsibility on the person that is most attended the dedicated GM. Yeah, um, exactly. And and I mean, I found that I got to volunteer uh, and also work at at the Magpie booth at Gen Con uh, one year, uh, and they were you know telling me like you know, people are going to come around, they're going to look at this game, and they're going to want to buy this game. And anyone who buys a game at a convention like that, like even if you were a player in your group, if you make the choice to pick up a brand new game and bring it to your group well the person who was running your game is not going to run this new one you're now if you buy in the game you're running the game and that's exactly. that, that's kind of the the price you pay <laughs> for for picking that up and so uh presenting this especially on on, on a podcast like this where we're not talking about uh mainstream story i think like a dungeons and dragons podcast a lot of people that are listening in are going to end up being the player whereas on an indie yeah. podcast like this where we're talking about a lot of games that people are probably hearing for the first time when they listen to the episode you're probably gonna end up running the game and and, and being the one who introduces it and maybe down the road someone else will pick it up uh, and, and take the baton and run the game for you but that initial foray you're going to be the one running degenesis so i guess like what is it like we talked a little bit about what it's like to play the game and and the way the mechanics are and, and that that uh, that dice pool system but what's it like to run degenesis what's it like to be behind the screen and be the one who gets to share this world with the players at your table that's a that's a very big question uh good question um i think to me, at least, it's very exciting because it's a rich world with very well-developed NPCs. Um, it's very easy to pick up. Like The adventures, I think, are written in a way that is pretty unique. Like it, it reads like a novel, but then it's very easy to tweak based on your group and the decisions they make. Um, it's very exciting. It's, it's very exciting because you're, the game deals with very human problems like it doesn't shy away from any kind of extremes in what humanity is capable of doing and that's what that's what we're basically addressing with the game is it's about what makes us human and what um what is beautiful and what is terrible and what is in what in the humanity that we all share and and you have moments that are absolutely gruesome in the games as much as you have also moments with people being selfless and uh, and giving their lives or giving being like shield for a community. And I find this beautiful because it's not just, it's not manichaeism, you know, it's not like those are the bad guys. Those are the good guys. Now fight. 
you have a lot of big decisions to make when you're playing the Genesis and being the game master in the Genesis is about understanding the consequences consequences of most of the uh, actions and decisions that are taken. Um, And I think personally, it it was a big lesson. uh, It was a big lesson to to play the Genesis just because I started with stuff, I told you like Vampire Warmer and it's very black and white in those games. I like it, but it's very black and white. Like, um, you know who your enemies are. I mean, Vampire is a bit more shady. Uh, but for example, you know that werewolves are your enemies and you don't want to mess with them. But in Warhammer, it's very easy to understand that the scavens are your enemies or the chaos is bad or stuff sure, like that. Yeah. Um, in the Genesis, you don't know, like chroniclers, like the tech tech people, maybe they're good with, with you for like a few few sessions, but like they might backstab you or the Spitalians might burn your, your old village because someone was infected by the sepsis. And so... It's really interesting because it's a different approach on storytelling. It's a, a different approach on narrating uh, a story. You you can't just prepare everything and be like, I'm sure my players will side with that guy and that they will go kill this band and then they will go help those people. Players end up can end up being like the bad guys very quickly and they can side with whoever they want very easily. And I think that's the most interesting aspect of it. It's like you can really play every kind of adventure very easily and and there's no judgment about it. Yeah, and who the baddies are sounds to be quite subjective because if you're trying to stop an infection from destroying all the other nearby settlements, I mean, it becomes a means justifying ends and sometimes there isn't time for debate. This is happening now and there's it's like yeah. putting out a brush fire. And... They may be friends and they may be enemies, but that doesn't necessarily make them good or evil. Uh, exactly. As, as so much as they're just opposed or allied with you. Like uh, in real life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's to really me, that, interesting. To that, me, that that that, that's what I meant when I said like it was a big lesson because, you know, I, I discovered the game when I was still like pretty young. I was like 20-something and I... I had like this very naive vision of the world and the, the game really taught me that there's no such thing as good or bad. There's like, I mean, there is, but people are not inherently good or inherently bad. They are a shade of actions and they tend to be better or worse over time, but it's just a matter of perspective. Maybe they're doing something for a very good reason in their own mind. And it might be terrible for you or for your entourage or something, but maybe they're doing that to save their family's life or to save um, a country's uh, population or to save humanity. Maybe they really believe that they're saving humanity. And that's humbling. I think that's very humbling and it's a good uh, human experience um, because, because yeah, you're not, you're not morally superior to anyone in that world. You are on the same, at the same level, you're making the same mistakes. And sometimes it's actually good to make those mistakes in the game so that you don't really make them in real life. Yeah, when we turn humans into monsters, we can separate ourselves from those actions. But they're still humans, and they made human decisions, even if they were monstrous decisions. And uh, yeah, it's uh, there was another um, setting we played earlier uh, this year, uh, last year now, the, the Spire uh, from yeah. uh, uh, Rowan, Rook, and Deckard. And that was very much the same deal. You're not dealing with monsters in that game. You're dealing with people who have made choices and the choices may be the wrong choices or they may be choices that are um, 
uh, inhumane, uh, but they were still choices and those people are still people. And that creates a layer of complication on what do you do to respond to that? Are you willing yeah. to go and, um, yeah, yeah. How, how far are you willing to escalate when, when you have to look their humanity in the eye uh, 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 when you go up against that? And also, are you okay to accept that you might be the bad guy in some people's perspective? Yeah. Like your actions are going to be the ver- I mean, despiteful for some people. Are you ready to live with that? Um, that's, I think, is very interesting. Speaking of the spire, I really, I really, really like the um, unique art style they went for uh, with the game. It's really, I mean, I personally find it fantastic that they decided to go with this very Tauro uh, flat style. Just mentioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I like it. it. Had that kind of like um, revolutionary propaganda poster yeah. feel to a lot of that. It was uh, it's a very evocative setting. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, but I also really enjoyed the questions it proposed. Also, in like a weird layer of humor <laughs> throughout it as well. Like you could tell that yeah. uh, they had ha- some of the writers had had their hand in working in games like Paranoia in the past. Yeah, and like clearly. the game is very serious, but it's also at times absurd. Just like tabletop games no matter how straight and serious and hard edge your game might be players are still gonna mess with it <laughs> and you're still gonna yeah. end up having funny weird jokes that that come out at, in your experiences no matter how serious your game is yeah i mean my i i used to still to play the genesis with some friends like not so long ago and there's not one session where we don't just crack up because of a bad joke or something the game i mean it's still a game you can still yeah. talk about it's serious still stuff. Play. But it's like, yeah. yeah. We're still all there to have fun. This fun can sometimes be like being very serious, role-playing, solving mysteries, and sometimes it's just cracking a stupid joke. I think it's fantastic. That's why I love this hobby so much because it's it also makes for a good moment to be with friends and uh, meet new people. Like I've met fantastic people to that OB and I, I, I wish everyone could one day in their life test tabletop RPG in one form or another, just because it's such a good social experience. Um, it's very humbling. It's also a good way to go, go get out of, um, of one's uh, shell and start getting more comfortable with other people and opening up. I, I, I find it, that's why I find fa- fascinating about that hobby. Tell me, I, I'm curious, uh, now as we're getting close to, to wrapping up, uh, yeah. what has been one of your favorite like anecdotes or stories playing Degenesis? Uh, has anything really surprised you that you didn't expect to encounter in, in, in a game or a session? Or what was a, what, what, what is a, a memory that just surfaces when I ask you about like a, a favorite moment in uh, in playing this um i think it was so we had a long campaign with friends and one of the players had was a former uh kidnapped kid like basically he was under the control of um of a pheromancer so they can control people with pheromones but he had no recollection of that and the player didn't know about it. it was part of his backstory but he didn't know about it and the best moment was when they were on a boat traveling from one part of Franca, so France, to the other part. And and he comes around and he has this question to a player that was playing his sister. And there's this long conversation where everybody just was extremely silent 
as the backstory was unfolding with all the gruesome parts of it where he was made a drone um, that was not himself for like six years with no recollection. He was serving what would be considered one of the worst enemies of humanities. And now he was trying to redeem himself without even knowing it. And the player was completely flabbergasted. And to me, that was one of the best moments just because it was this really rare moment where the play and the real life just come together. And it's just like a tiny veil separating them. And everybody is completely suspended in time, listening to something. And everybody was uh, just like, oh, what is going on? Gasping. And when we finished that and the session was over, it was like a moment of, it was fascinating. Everybody was talking about this unique experience and and role play continued even though the session was over. People were kept talking about the, their characters. And to me, that was one of the very first time where I saw people get so involved in the role play that they didn't break out of characters and they kept talking and talking and talking because there was so much to say. I love That's, that. When, yeah. when the game just continues into like that fan fiction territory after the session and yeah. you know, days later you're just walking and you're wondering what, what, what were these characters up to now? And you just start, um, uh, my partner and I will go for hikes and we'll sometimes at, start talking about these characters in games we've played and we'll just check in on them and we'll just see what are they up to? What do you think they're doing now? <laughs> what happened? We played a game of Sea of Thieves here on the show and there were two characters and we have since in our in our hikes, we've gone through seven years since that game of all the different places in the world that they've gone to and the adventures they go wow. to. We got all these stories about them. We never, we only played them in a single session, but they have lived for so much more beyond that. And uh, I love it when, when characters do that to my head and they just, they just move in and they live rent free. See, that's what I mean. Like that's such a good hobby because it stimulates so many different aspects of our brains. I, I, that, yeah, I love, I love that aspect. The fact that you can just continue the story in your own head. You don't even have to share it with anyone, but they still exist and they will keep existing until you forget about them. But that's, yeah, that's a tabletop RPG in a nutshell for me. <laughs> Where can we follow up with Degenesis Rebirth? Where, where, where is the best places to go to learn more about this, to stay involved and to stay informed? If you like big communities, the Discord is the best place discord.gg slash the genesis um if you're more of a passive observer uh twitter or the newsletter we have a, a newsletter that people can subscribe to when they go on our shop um shop.sixmovodka.com and otherwise the classic channels uh, facebook uh, the website the genesis.com it's not really like a news website but uh, we share the latest informations any, anyway. So yeah, those are the best way. But Discord is by far the best way because we're very active on there. It's a big community. People are very welcoming and supportive. And if someone is curious about the game, um, they will get all the help they need to get um, onboarded. So what's the what's the takeaway here with Degenesis? What would you like to leave us with? And And where... You know, as we step foot into this world now and we join you and, and we go forward, what are we looking forward to uh, with with what, what are we what are you hoping is going to be the future uh, for Degenesis, uh, for for the community and, and, and for this for this universe? Well, 
for the community, I just hope to see, I just would love to see it grow. Um, and I love meeting new people, sharing their stories. Um, that's fantastic to see what people are doing with something that you created and put out in the open. It's always very rewarding. For the game itself, a long prosperous life with uh, a few more years of development and good um, uh, good scenarios and adventures to to write for the people. I just I hope we can explore some of the mysteries that the community has been asking about for uh, for the past few years. Um, you always love. I mean, it's always fascinating to see what people react to when you reveal a big mystery. So if we can go that way, that would be fantastic. And just to prove that you can have like a, a professional game that is still indie but works only thanks to the support of the community. The, the model we are trying to develop right now is, um, is a way for us to say you can do, all the indie developers can do big things by building a community and um, having the support of the community. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what we want to prove and we hope, it's, um, we hope it works. Well, thank you very much, Erwin, for for hanging out with me. Thanks for reaching thank you, out Justin. and and giving me a chance. I think I will finally check out D Genesis. I think I think that time is it's it's not just going to be a game I look on the shelf and go, "That's a really beautiful looking book." Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it might be something that uh, that will will actually uh, have an opportunity now to uh, to dive into because also, as I mentioned, Mitch Wallace last week was just like. Oh yeah, no, this game. I'll I'll run it for you if you want. Like he'll he was so excited to 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 hear about us. Um, yeah, Mitch uh, is a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it sounds like those who become big fans of Degenesis become big fans, like you yourself. That it's uh uh it's one of those um one of those games that just kind of uh, accumulates around you, and it just becomes yeah. like uh that that primary game that that that's on your shelf because everyone's you know this hobby you've got a hundred games on your shelf but you still have that that one prime game that you yeah. just elevate that goes like this is the one that you know if you had to run a campaign you would have and Genesis definitely seems to fit that bill for a lot of people who, who discover yeah, that's it. what that, that's what we observe people definitely end up being like i don't why didn't i discover the genesis before um now it's the only thing i have okay so it's not <laughs> too late though now no, it's the best moment. I think anyone joining the community right now is uh, at the best position possible because you have all the backlog of stuff and you're coming right when we're doing the next push. So it's a yeah, prime so, time moment. Yeah, so you're not just going to be dealing with people who know all the details and they know the world and you're having to play catch up. There is new stuff to discover that yeah. you can jump in and, and you can be encountering it fresh with everyone else who doesn't know what it yeah. is that you're finding. We're releasing a new adventure on Monday, and then we are going to release an expansion probably in a month. So yeah, there's new, there's going to be new stuff uh, for the entire year and the next year. If if this model works, next year is going to be the same, if not better. Excellent. Just keep putting fuel into that rocket and keep launching exactly. yourself. Yeah. So thank you so much, Justin, for having me. It was a very good, very very fun and interesting. A big and hearty thank you to Erin Rodeau for spending time with us to talk about Degenesis, Degenesis Rebirth, and their model to get you into the game. You can go check them out right now at degenesis.com. Game's free. You can download it and play it now. And if you want to support it, well, you heard how that works. You can get in on helping to develop the next stage in Degenesis. Updates are happening as we talk. A new one came out this week. 
And if you are listening to this and you're a developer and you would like to meet me, I would like to meet you. Reach out at Justin at TerribleWarriors.com. And I've really enjoyed this Meet the Maker series. I have found these conversations to be intriguing and inspiring. And I hope you have too. This is the first one you've been listening to. We've got a whole series of Meet the Makers from big productions with Free League Games to Ranky Ding Productions where there's only one person running the whole show. You can find them at TerribleWarriors.com right there on the homepage. I've collected all of those episodes into a playlist for you to enjoy. This year we've been doing things differently. We haven't been actually playing any games. But this summer, getting a band back together, we're going to finally play something and record something. And I'm really excited to get that going for our next season in the fall. And if you'd like to support this show and you like what we're doing and you want us to do more, consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Terrible Warriors. Among supporting this show, you can also get in on a private monthly game that I run for our listeners every month. We've been playing through the Forbidden Lands, and I think right now we're going to pivot back over to the Spire from Rowan, Rook, and Deckard. Something about that tower where I feel like we've got some unfinished business, you know what I mean? You can follow us on Twitter at DiceWarriors as we begin to ramp things up. You'll want to stay in the know. We'll be back next week with what I believe will be another Session Zero. And until that time, we're back at the table, rolling dice together, sharing stories together. Thank you for listening. Be good to each other.